to Walking Through Glass, the podcast with your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, founder of the Lead Her Shift movement, helping women shift the way they lead. And by lead, I mean learn, experience, apply, and develop. And today, I have a phenomenal guest on the show, and we're going to engage in some extraordinary conscious conversation all about mm-hmm, your all. So let me introduce to you Dr. Jane Goldner. And oh, she has an amazing bio. And there's so many things to share, including um, being an award winning um, author. But here's the really secret sauce Dr. Jane S. Goldner is a highly sought after speaker, author, leadership, and role integration coach. How many of you need some tweaking to the roles that you play in the relationships in your life? And over 40 years in business, both internal and external to companies, as well as in her own family life, she has learned the secrets of integrating multiple roles and great leadership for women, which brings to companies and what she brings to coaching and, and and coaching clients. I'm so excited. Like I'm like, all these extra saliva is like generating. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much juicy stuff here. Jane has been quoted in the New York Times, CNN Money, and Time. She has appeared several times on 11 Alive, NBC, and is a member of the USA Today CEO panel. Jane has more to share, and I want her to talk a little bit about her book, her she has one that's out now in a whole complete program, but even her first book, Driven to Success, a 10-point checkup for achieving high performance. How many of you need to be a little bit more high performing in business? Well, there's a guide for you, and this guide is for leaders and everyone to focus on achieving corporate objectives. The book is based on her business, Operating System Solutions for Enterprise Results. This second edition of You Can Have Your All, which is our focus today, Women Driven to Success, and her chapter is her chapter in the Roadmap to Success with Deepak Chopra and Kim Blatchard. They provide women with the understanding of how to integrate multiple roles without sacrificing health, success, or peace of mind to lead with purpose, passion, and power. All right, without further ado, I just want to introduce Dr. Jane Goldner to you. Hello, Dr. Goldner. 
Well, hello, Dr. Dina. I, uh, that was quite a full introduction. And um, yes, we're going to focus on the second edition of You Can Have Your All. I, I, I love the title. And I want to, and I know that just discussing of why you named your book, You Can Have Your All, is going to open up and segue into other parts of that meteor um, conversation. So I'm going to start with that phenomenal question. Again, this is, you said, the second edition of that, but why that particular name? Why was it so critical for you to name the book that? That's a great and fundamental question. Um, If we can think back to maybe 2010, um, there was just the plethora of discussion about whether women can have it all or whether women can't have it all. And that really bothered me because it seemed like everybody was saying that there was one universal it all for all women. And I knew that wasn't true. I had coached and done enough workshops with women and just with my friends talking about they're all, and all of us had slightly different takes on that. And um, I often cite that probably my closest friend and soul sister, because we're not blood relatives, um, is so different than I am. Um, I've always been career oriented. I went back to work when each of my sons was eight weeks old and she couldn't wait to have children so she could not teach and stay home with her kids. And i I call her Betty Crocker because she's a stay-at-home mom who is a phenomenal potter and mom. And um, she always thought that I would never have children because I was so career-focused. But actually, I have two sons. (laughs) Boy moms go. Boy moms rock. I'm a boy mom, so I get it. (laughs) I learned a lot from my boys because I grew up with a sister. Uh, so yes, sons are great. They love their mother and they're very protective. Yes, they actually are. You know, I was, um, in preparing for this discussion, I know that I have my own really rock solid, um, statements and thoughts around what all looks like, but I was intrigued when I read, um, this particular quote by Elise Hogue. And she says, I don't think anyone can have it all. Who would want it? Having it all sounds like a lot of maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? If you believe there's this universal it all, you get tired thinking about it. But the whole whole point of the, the book was to walk each woman through the process of saying, what's important to you? narrow your focus, understand that, and then be tenacious and go get it. So you're not overwhelmed with doing what everybody thinks you should do. And and that's the part which resonated the most with me when I saw that and I chuckled and I said, you know, you're right. I don't want to have everybody's all. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to keep up with them and keep up with the Joneses and the Marys and the Louises is a lot of work. And that's that mind trap that many women, particularly professional women, you know, get caught in is that they're taking a look at others, maybe in their industries or, or in their neighborhoods. And they're saying, you know, gosh, she seems to be doing it all. And I, and you keep 
striving for that and you're burning yourself out. You never reach that. And then whether you're self-medicating or you end up dealing with overwhelming bouts of depression or anxiety and just burnout, you realize that that's not the all I want. I want my defined all. And um, I, I have made a commitment to myself, not to anyone else, to always define what that all looks like to me and hold to it, even in the face of adversity, the face of derision, the face of judgment. And that's where that clarity and confidence and consistency about how I show up has really lent itself to me and for me. And so how do you recommend, uh, what are some of the, the what I call it, um, keys you know, to the kingdom that you recommend for particularly other women who are trying to have somebody else's all? Well, I for, first of all, I commend you for realizing that you had to figure out your all and you had to figure out how you wanted to show up because it's so important. And that's, that's the process that women need to go through. So um, it's really divided into two parts. One is figuring out what's central to you, what's important to you. And that's the what. Then the second part is the how, how do I go get it? So there are several parts to the, how do I figure out what my all is? And the most critical is for each woman to figure out her own core. And by the core, I mean a mission, a vision, and a set of key values personal ones, not corporate ones like we're used to hearing. And so if, if a woman wants to think about what that looks like as a person, um, the mission is the head. It's her rational, logical reason for her existence, her purpose, her passion. It's not just work, but it's her whole life. So that's the head is the mission. And then the next part, the vision is her heart. It's if I were working my mission on all cylinders, what would that look like for me? It's the top of the mountain. It's what Stephen Covey calls beginning with the end in mind. It's what you want people to say about you that would make you happy. And so those are the two, what I call a little bit squishy pieces, Mm. (laughs) but your values are the person's arms and legs. It's like you said, how you show up, how you live your life, how you turn your mission and vision into actions that cause you to make certain decisions every day. And so uh, I often use myself as an example because people say, well, that all, all is good, but what does that look like? And so my mission is to help others learn as I continue my own learning. And that might sound like it's you know, my work life. But if you ask my husband or ask my sons or my friends, that's what I'm about. I am am just helping them learn. And as they learn and I interact with different people, um, I continue my own learning. And that's exciting to me. That's who I am, really. And then if I were working that on all cylinders, my vision is to be a light that guides people down unforged paths, always showing them how much they can be. And if people said that about me, then I've lived the right life. 
I've been doing the right mission and I've been doing it well. And, and lastly, um, the, my arms and legs, my key values are family and integrity and health. And I know that we all have lots of values and there are probably pe- people might say, well, don't you care about X, Y, Z? Of course I do. But these are the few that backed against the wall I wouldn't ever compromise. They are that meaningful to me. And what they do for me is they help guide every decision I make because with every choice comes a trade-off. And so you have to be willing to say, this is such an important value to me. I'm going to do it regardless of the trade-off. So for example, my value of family, I worked in a big company in a division and my division was outside of corporate headquarters and my division was sold and they offered me a career path into headquarters. And I realized if I did that, I'd be leaving at sunrise and coming home at sunset. And I would miss a lot of my son's activities, sporting activities, school activities. And my, I had to honor my value of family and say no to that opportunity. And so my choice was to have the flexibility to do all the family things that are important to me. My trade-off was I didn't have that steady paycheck anymore because I went into consulting. So it's about how you live your life out through your values that reflect your mission and move you toward your vision. That's the first and most critical part of figuring out your all. And you've got to take time to really think about it, reflect on it. It's not a one-time event. It takes time to get it right because you want to make sure that you are going to want to live that and and base your decisions and your choices, life choices on that. And so um, it, it just takes time because it has to be memorable and you have to be willing to prize it and act on it. And then the, the second part of, of that's critical among other parts is how do you spend your time? If I define my core and I say, this is what's important to me, then is how I'm spending my time reflective of that. And for most of my coaching clients, when they do their time chart, they it's such an aha moment for them because they look at what they say is important and they look at how they're spending their time and they're going, wow, that is so misaligned. Right. And then I say, okay, chart out. If you were living according to your core, which is what you say is most central to you, what does your time look like? And then they get this big smile and they say, yeah, that would be me. And so we work a lot on getting from the now to the ideal. And it takes time. It takes Mm -hmm. time. One of the um, conversations I've had recently with a couple of clients and even in that um, C-suite space is about setting boundaries. And that you can have your priorities and you can, and, and one um, mentor of mine said, show me your calendar. I'll show you what your priorities are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought that's powerful because for me, um, my son's graduating senior this year, but for his whole life, <laughs> I've made it a practice of putting, laying his calendar on first and then layering my commitments on after. And 
that was just important. And I've always said, you're, you're my priority and I want to show up that way. And at different times when things kind of gotten a little out of whack or misaligned, I was clearly able to see and bring real myself back in really quickly by honing that. But that required me to set boundaries. And that was boundaries within the family. And we talk about those roles, relationships, and internal boundaries and external boundaries about what I will commit to, what I will allow, and also the conversation that I will engage in in the direction of my commitments will make. So how do you encourage the boundaries, um, setting really concrete boundaries? What are some tips that you have? Boundaries are real important because we can get wrapped around being everything to everybody. And we end up acquiescing to other people's demands instead of doing what's important to us. And that has all kinds of ill health effects, both emotionally, psychologically, and physically. And so, um, first of all, it's important, and I teach this to my coaching clients, that no is a complete sentence. And you, when someone asks you to do something and, and you don't have the time or it's not a priority, it's okay to say no. P- Some women are so afraid that people won't like them if they say no. Or at work, they won't be viewed as a team player. And obviously, I think in a work situation, as as one woman I interviewed said, you know, you might have to spend more time initially at work to show that you are a team player. But once your credibility is established, then you can really set clear boundaries. Um, So that's one way to, to look at it. Um, interestingly, uh, I think once you know your core and what's important to you, and by the way, priorities around that core change over time, perhaps, but your core doesn't. But once you know your core, then it helps you decide about how you're going to set boundaries and where you're going to set boundaries. And, um, you know, I, I, I was fluid depending upon where I was in my life. And I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I decided, uh, let's see, actually one of my sons asked me when he was in high school to spend more time at school where I was so honored about that because most high school boys don't want their mothers around, but a lot of his friends' mothers were around doing concession stands and things like that. And that just doesn't happen to be my thing. So I did cut back on my consulting and I helped his school develop a leadership program. I did some substitute teaching because in my first career, I was a teacher. And so I was around, but, and so I set boundaries at, at work. But then one day my son came home and he saw me alphabetizing the spices in the kitchen. And he said, mom, you have got to go back to work. <laughs> so I really was going overboard in the home role. And I said, yeah, I need to set some boundaries about how much I'm going to be home versus how much I'm going to be working. So it works both ways, but it's, it, it's looking at your core and your priorities and being clear that whatever the choice is to set those boundaries, there may be a trade-off, but you're willing to make it. Right. And that's, that's that you can have your all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's that defining piece, which I realized that without labeling it and unbeknownst to me on a conscious level, 
I had been doing that for a long period of time. Yeah. And facing though, and I think that this is the part that many women are having their all, but the consequences of their choices is where they don't like. Well, but you know what? The reality is with every choice you make, there's a trade-off. There are consequences. And unless unless you're going to make yourself crazy um, and, and be it all to everybody, and that's a very dangerous place to be. And um, I have my own personal story that's in the book about what really prompted me to write the first edition in 2013, um, because I was trying to be everything to everybody and uh, ended up at the doctor's office being told in my 30s that I had had a heart attack. Wow. So it takes, I hope it doesn't take every woman that kind of episode to get smacked into reality. But just being told that was such a smack in my face because I thought I was this real high capacity woman and I really didn't need to say no to anything, but boy, did I. And um, it it was quite a lesson for me and I won't ruin the end of my story. It's at the back of my book, but um, it was such a red flag for me. And then it gave me a willingness to share that story and write the first edition of the book. Um, and, and I had mentioned early on that you need to know the what, and that's right. all good. But just as you were alluding to about how do you set boundaries, the second half of the book, and by the way, the online course is eight videos that, that um, really walk everybody through the process and supplement the book or the book supplements it. But the second half are the tools that you need. So you, you, you're, you're not everything to everybody. So you need support systems, personal and professional. Um, you need to learn how to delegate, which most women don't like to do for a whole variety of reasons. You need to understand the difference between a mentor and a sponsor and get them both. But if Absolutely. you're, yeah. And if you're in the work world, a sponsor is much more valuable than a mentor. Right. Um, the secret sauce is networking. You have to know how to network and you could spend your life networking. So you have to understand how to network effectively. Strategically. Absolutely. Strategically networking is really key. And I'm adding a piece to that, to a project that I'm working on. And of course I'm working on and my upcoming book, same title name as the show is called Walking Through Glass, How to Be Sane, Sexy, and Significant. Ah, I love it. (laughs) And it's really talking to what we're speaking to right now. That sanity, that clarity that comes that we need, that confidence that we we get from knowing who we are. And my favorite um, saying is 50% of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. True. So you can be confident and stay consistent um, in doing that. And, you know, for young people, when, when they'll call me to talk about entering the work world, one of the things I tell them is exactly that, that you will find more no's before you find the yes. Absolutely. And, and it's okay. It's okay because it, it helps you get to the yes that you really want to pursue. And the, the two real critical skills that are in your toolkit uh, which women don't tend to like are negotiation and constructive confrontation. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of women don't, 
<laughs> want to negotiate and or they don't want to deal with conflict. And those are two critical skills. I think it's the perception of how we think about, which is again, that lead her shift movement. How do we think about it? What are we seeing? We are not fighting, you know? <laughs> and I think that some of the tape from when we're younger and, and before we were even conscious of the, the tape being embedded in that subconscious and the way that our amygdala holds on to these types of things is that we, when we ask for what we want, you know, and what we need, and we are very um, particular about that, that I guarantee you for the women that really shy dramatically away from that, there's been a time in their life when they did ask those questions. And like you said, it was that no, or it was that, who are you to say that, you know, it was that verbiage and they were shut down at a very early age. Or if they saw other women who did that, they were labeled a certain way. It's the same way where, um, again, I'm 29 plus taxing gratuity, but um, <laughs> in my lifetime, I was also told men don't like smart women. You need to be seen and not heard. Well, and that, that, that be- you know, Gina, that that also came from our our parents. Yes, I've been talking about them too. Yeah, you know? and and I'm I'm twice your age plus, and <laughs> and it was, um, you know. Uh, Children should be seen and not heard. Another tape is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right. Instead of, you know, the tape that you should be. Get what you get. Hmm? I'm sorry. You should, they tell you you should appreciate what you get. Right, right. And instead of the, you know, the tape that should be in our head, that was something else we were told. If it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Right. So when you talk about confrontation and conflict, if you do it constructively, that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. As long as you do it in a way that's not pointing and blaming, that's not um, so emotionally charged, someone can't deal with you. So there are a lot of tips and techniques around that. And if these women are in the work world, negotiation's expected. It's not a bad thing. It's an expected part of work life. And we just you know, a lot of women just weren't trained that way or coached that way to believe that. Um, but that's that part of having that sponsor and that mentor and those those other women. And depending on which field and which area that you choose to your career, um, your career ecosystem of whether or not that was something that was, quote unquote, okay to do or even finding a sponsor or a mentor, you might find, and then you still had to go to men. And even now you still go to men who tend to be more powerful and dominant sponsors in certain career spaces. And now we're beginning to see that the tides are turning. You're seeing more women in those roles, but then there's a perception that there's a competition and that, you know, if I'm going to have my all that you can't be a part of it because there's only one seat at the table and it's mine. We are seeing that change. Um, As we see, the reason that women went to men, and it's not, it's fine to go to, you know, if you want a a sponsor, it's somebody that has the political capital to help you make your career happen. And in a lot of situations, it's the men in senior leadership. But as we see more women in senior leadership, 
Um, I think that's beginning to, to open up to have a, a female sponsor. And I love, of course, Madeleine Albright's quote about there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think we're moving, women are moving away from there's only one spot and I'm not going to help you. I had to do it the hard way. So you do it to women wanting to see more women in more significant roles. Right. But I think that now, as we create our own opportunities <laughs> within these ecosystems, and there, it only takes the first one to stand up and say, I'll be, <laughs> I'll go first, mm-hmm. begin to pave that way. And so we do begin to see that. But I think that there's, that we still have a long way to grow yes, in do. that. And it all starts with us. It starts with you. It starts with you as an individual. It starts with how you think about yourself. What shifts are you willing to make about your understandings of who you are and and how you are supposed to show up or how you want to show up and how do you want to be seen and how you're creating these boundaries. And really, truly, like you've shared in your book, is that what that all is? And don't, here's the part that I guess I've, I've actually been having some really rich conversations around. It's okay if you're all is caring for your family, being leading the PTO, <laughs> making sure dinner's at the ta- on the table, and making sure the house is ran. That's a huge operation COO role. <laughs> and tell you, I, I, I told my friends that I took the easy way out. I went back to work when each of my boys were eight weeks old. And to me, that was a lot easier work than staying home and doing exactly what you said. And yes, I I am so a thousand percent with you that we need to respect whatever choices women make, whether it's my job is to be at home with my children and keep my house the way I want it to be, to I'm going to work part time or I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody needs to lean in and be a C-suite person. Right. And we need to respect choices that women make about her all. Right. And not career shame. And, I, and I've and i seen kind of that piece <laughs> a little bit um, as well. But again, that's that's a whole other <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> discussion. I mean, and, and worry about that. So as we begin to kind of wrap up, um, it's been such a pleasure. I mean, the time just like zooms by, but I believe that those huge takeaways are there. What would be a final thought that you would like to share and leave with our listeners about that encapsulates your body of work, your understanding, your experiences um, to help them make the shift, those leaderships to their next grader? Um, my final thought is take the time to reflect and figure out who you are at your core, be really clear about your mission, your vision, your key values, and make decisions based on that, not on what other people think you should be. And by the way, nobody's perfect. So (laughs) you know what? There's a poem in the beginning of the book, and, and the bottom line is to look in the mirror and say, I'm enough. Mm. Yep. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love to 
share. And those of you who've been following and listening to Walking Through Glass, um, the podcast, you know my C3 blueprint is at the core of everything that I share. And it's really about making the necessary shifts. And really that C3 blueprint is that get clear about, like you said, your mission, vision, your values, who you are. What do you really truly want? What do you want? Not what someone else is sharing or telling you that you should have. When you have that clarity, it actually lends itself for you having the confidence to stand and own that space. And that confidence in standing and owning that space leads to to the consistency that you need to be significant. And significant to me is about legacy. It's more than about simple success. It's about how you're adding value to others and growing others along that journey. And that's all wrapped into that clarity, that confidence, and that consistency in doing what you're called to do. And what you're called to do and what you love to do and how you're doing it, that to me sums up what it means to have it all. I love it. We are so aligned in this. um, (laughs) If I can shamelessly put a plug in about- Yes, absolutely. That was my next question. (laughs) People going to my website, which is- Thegoldenergroup.com. You can access the online course. Um, You can- Click on buying the book on Amazon. Uh, We send out a monthly newsletter you can sign up for. We do quarterly Zoom chats. We had one yesterday um, on Be Your Own Shiro. So stay engaged with us and uh, learn more about how to have your all. Fantastic. What about your social media handles? How could they find you on social media? Well, uh, Everything is on my uh, website, but it's, you know, they could rather me rattle off all of that, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, um, what, Twitter. Uh, so real active on all of those, which they can find uh, my website. And here's, here's what I tell people when I get that question and I'm doing a show interview, I'll say, just Google me. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could rattle off all of that, but nobody's going to remember more than one. But yes, that's, yeah. that's why I say it. And some people streamline them. And so, again, I truly appreciate you, Dr. Jane Goldner, for coming on Walking Through Glass, showing these, sharing these amazing um, tips and strategies about really how what it looks like to build that sense of all and that understanding on your terms. And so I truly appreciate you and thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Walking Through Glass. Well, thank you, Dr. Dina Brown for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you.